0: Welcome to UDOT's new podcast. This is episode one of Beyond the Barrels. I am Matt Allred. I am UDOT's internal communication manager. And what my job here at the department is, well, it's basically to make sure that we talk to each other. So we're excited about Beyond the Barrels, excited about this new podcast, and we hope that you tune in. And you know, a couple months ago, we started talking about this as a group. How do we get more information out to our employees? How do we get better information out to our employees? And a couple years ago, we started a video series called Talking Orange. Hopefully you've seen the Talking Orange videos. Uh, We started with Carlos and we talked about automated vehicles. We were out on the salt flats near Tooele uh, talking about how these semis talk to each other and, and kind of the future of automated vehicles. And Talking Orange is great. It's, it's great, but it's very surfacey. If you've watched it, it's more lighthearted. It's a little more surfacy. It's four or five minutes on some of the cool things that we're doing here at UDOT. The things that uh, you can go to a neighbor at a barbecue and say, did you know that we have a ferry in, in, in Lake Powell? Or did you know that we have a fleet of airplanes? We wanted those to become talking points for some of our employees. The interchange, this podcast, is a little bit differently. or We're doing it a little bit different. We wanted it to be more in-depth, maybe a little more technical, maybe speak a little bit more to some of our engineer-type employees, uh, so we can dive into this. If you are familiar with podcasts, they're typically a little bit longer. These, We'll see how they go the first couple episodes. We're expecting this to be a good conversation. So well, I want to introduce our first guest, um, a man that needs no introduction, but I'll give one anyway, um, a very short one. Uh, Carlos Braseres is the executive director of UDOT. Hopefully you know and love Carlos as much as we do here at the office. He, he's laughing at me here. Um, he's he's a good leader that has great vision for, for who we are uh, and what we need here at UDOT. So Carlos, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Matt. I've learned one thing already. Yeah. I did not know surfacy was a word.
0: I, I, I believe you can put a, a Y at the end of any word and it becomes an adjective. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> So, uh, we, will, we will not describe this podcast as something surfacy. It's, it's anti surfacy. It's not as surfacy. Um, so, there's depth. There's depth. And we want this to have more depth and uh, more discussion and be a little more serious if that's possible with me. And Carlos laughs at me a lot. I think um, I've, got a, I've got a fun
1: and unique job here at the department. To those of you listening, I think the hardest part about this podcast. Uh, Interviewer podcast is gonna. I'm looking right at Matt right now, and he is a very fun person. So Thank you. Not laughing will be a t- difficult you. test. Well, I will.
0: I will try and keep my head down as to not make you giggle.
1: Um, so
0: one of the, we want to jump right into this. We're going to talk about um, something that happened at annual conference this year, and I think if everybody was there and you listened in, or uh, you were you were streaming on our on our broadcast, or you were actually there at the conference. You'll remember that near the end of Carlos's address to us, he presented a top 10 list. This was a, this was a pretty big deal for us. Um, it was a list of 10 things that you wanted to accomplish, that we wanted to accomplish, that you don't wanted we- to accomplish. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of wanted to just figure out, what was the genesis of that? Why, why create a top 10 list? Where, where did that come from? And why did you want to present it to us? Well, thank you, Matt. It was, uh,
1: it was quite different, actually. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, have heard our talks before, and we've talked about our vision and mission about growing the economy, improving the quality of life. We've talked about our goals for many, many years, and I think all of our employees understand why we do what we do, why it's so important, and they're really excited about that. Um, last year, we talked about values and really what did we stand for, and I shared some of my values, what was important to me, really what I felt made myself tick, and I challenged mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I challenged our employees to look at themselves and try to un- put some words to what their values are because everyone has them yeah. but understand what it is you stand for and over this last year we've been doing a lot of work trying to you know talking with all of our employees um, to try to understand what's important to them in terms of workplace you know we all spend a lot of time at work we spend a lot of time, a lot of time. Uh, yes Matt I am watching you <laughs> Um, But you know, we probably spend more waking hours at work with the people we work with than with our families. families, And uh, we want to make sure that this is a place people want to be. They enjoy being. They feel safe, secure. Um, And really, if you think about when it's the culture of an organization is the bringing together of our shared values.
0: Yeah.
1: And. we wanted to better understand where we are today as an organization and how we could move forward and make this a place where everyone wants wants to work and is excited about what they do. And that was really the genesis behind the idea of um, coming up with these top ten. Okay, And um, you know, one of the things that is important in an organization is for people to be proud about where they work. Now we, we have, we're doing big things, we're doing great things, and we have some really big goals. When we talk about zero fatalities, we're going to get there, but it's going to take a while to get there. Yeah. And to be really proud about where you work, it'd be really nice for people to say, hey, look, you know, look at my, have my children say, hey, look, this is what we did. Take a look at this. This was something really amazing. And so that has to be something that happens in maybe the shorter term. And so we wanted to come up with some things that we could accomplish that would move us towards our goals, but would be really cool and people could have ownership in it, get excited about it, and really increase the the pride that people have about working at UDOT. And so the top 10 really um, late evening on an airplane flight to, to DC. Um, I seem to spend more time on planes going to DC than um, I ever thought possible. Um, I was sitting there on my iPad, and I challenged myself to come up with 10 big ideas for the department. And I just started typing away on the screen. And um, really, what we presented at the uh, conference, and uh, has, the, has the label Carlos's top 10, I'm looking at it right now, um, was really those was around the idea of making something that was exciting for us to accomplish together, and was something that I believe we could do in the next three to four years. So I've been really encouraged by the discussions I've heard taking place around the organization, and I can feel excitement around them.
0: Yeah, no, and I feel the same way. You know, I had a great, I had a great summer traveling across the department, and we talked about these culture things and and had these discussions. But um, having those relationships across the department that I do, there's a buzz that happened after conference, yeah. and people were talking about the top ten, and and it became part of the discussion in staff meetings and and just in, in our different areas. And so it's it's exciting. I agree. It, there's a buzz that's going around. Um, are these are these goals for all of you, Is just is this just your vision of what the future needs to be? I mean, how, how, do, how do you look at these?
1: No, I think these are things for that's going to take every employee at the department and all of our partners working together for us to be able to achieve these. I think these are all achievable, but they're not easy. Yeah. And that was a really big, important piece for this is I wanted to make it something that, you know, it's easy to do easy things. And you don't really get the pride around those things. But when you do something you maybe didn't think you can do, then it's amazing what people feel. I, I remember um, my wife, Lori, and I were riding our bikes, and we had a huge mountain in front of us. It was 6,000 vertical feet of climb. And we started riding together, and she was slowing down and slowing down, and I kept slowing down with her. And um, she was getting mad that I was waiting for And she just said, you go ahead, you go ahead. And I was like, I felt terrible, um, but I went ahead. got to the top of this uh, mountain it's Mount Ventu um, and started back down and three miles down the hill I ran into my wife still grinding away to go to the top and I was really happy to see that a little surprised and I turned around and I was like are you going to make it she goes you bet I'm going to make it and we get to the top of this mountain and um, the pride in her face was remarkable and it's something this has been almost twenty years since then. And she still remembers that as one of the great accomplishments. So when you do big things, you have a level of pride and, and accomplishment that yeah. you just can't you can't even it, mention. It
0: makes a big impact. Yeah. Well, and I remember we I'm at a great position here in, in the department where I get to see some of the things that are going to come out for annual conference. And I remember looking at this list and and we went. Wow, this is big. Th- this is big. But I agree that when we work hard to accomplish a goal, and we work together to accomplish these goals, uh, the pride in accomplishing them is just even greater. Yep. And again, we can we can make goals that decrease fatalities by one. I mean, that's great. I mean, great. One one less fatality is amazing. But
1: we're gonna stretch here. Yeah, uh, we, I mean, we really our, are our, our fatality target that we set is. You know, we're going to go down to two and a half percent over the last three years rolling average. Yeah. And, we'll, and, and, and so picture yourself going home and telling your, you know, your yeah. wife, hey, dear, three and a half percent <laughs> <laughs> over the last three years yeah. rolling average. Yeah. I mean, it's the right target, but it's really not that big, bold step.
0: Yeah. And and we'll give you I mean, that's that's number one on your list. We'll work our way backwards from there, but you'll see what the actual number is that that Carlos talks about. Well, let's jump into this. Let's look at number 10. Travel times will decrease in the urbanized areas. This is this is kind of a crazy one. I mean, populations ever increasing. Uh, Some would say that decreasing the actual travel time uh, within our urban areas is a pretty tall order Uh, with all the big projects that are also coming the tech corridor, uh, I-15 southbound in Salt Lake County, U.S. 89 in Davis County. um, Is this really something that we can accomplish?
1: Yes but really hard. And the way I describe this to a lot of people is, you know, we're gonna almost double our population in the next 35 to 40 years. Um, will we decrease travel times from now in, in 30 to 40 years? That will be a big challenge for us. But in three to four years, I believe we can. Much for the reasons of the great projects that we have on board, we're gonna do some big things in the urbanized areas over the next five to six years really remarkable projects Um, we have um, just received uh, the governor's approval to request the legislature to increase to double our incident management teams Wow yes so I call that excuse me you know that's our hunting license that's what we're allowed to request from the legislature so we'll work really hard at that what that means is we can do a better job of clearing incidents clearing crashes decreasing secondary crashes, and, and uh, trying to um, clear those crashes faster decreases delay. Um, so that'll make a big difference. We're also looking at increasing the staffing in our traffic operations center for our operators because operations and how we operate our transportation system is gonna be huge it's in the huge, future. Of course. And then uh, I, I've been talking about this now for years, but we're urbanizing and we're gonna need to have an increased use of transit. We're we're projecting, we're aiming for doubling the amount of uh, transit use in the urbanized areas. And then, of course, biking and walking is going to play a larger role. Absolutely will. So. Well, it's going to have to.
0: I mean, we, we think about populations going to double. I can't imagine having twice as many cars on the road. And so people are, they're going to have to find alternate ways yeah. to get around.
1: We're not going to double our lane miles. And you, when you think back to why we exist, if our economy and our quality of life is dependent on our, on our mobility, We have to do this, of course, for our children. Good goal. It's a great one. (laughs) It's a big one. It's
0: good. Uh, Next item on the list has to do with UDOT's leadership in uh, the development of of automated vehicles. We talked about that uh, just in our first Talking Orange there.
1: Number nine. It only gets harder from here. We will be the national leader in the evolution and the development of the connected autonomous vehicle. So these are those vehicles of the future. Utah is going to be the place where automobile companies and technology companies come to develop, test, and implement the transportation system of the future.
0: So, there are a number of states that are doing a lot of work in this area, and uh, they're looking towards the future. You just talked about how our population is going to double here in the next 20, 30 years. Um, why do you think UDOT is, is well positioned in this arena? And, well, and to take leadership you know national leadership in in automated vehicles
1: yeah we um you know we we are benefiting from decisions made over 20 years ago when as an organization we took a fairly bold position in the way we were going to approach installing fiber optic or conduit in the ground and what that's enabled us to do is to be able to exchange that on a value for value basis on our projects to be able to integrate our traffic signals so that over 90% of the traffic signals in the state of Utah are on the same fiber optic system tied together with the same hardware, software, talking to each other. And so we have the most integrated traffic signal system in the country in Utah, which is most people cannot believe what we have here.
0: So when you say talking to each other, does that, does that mean uh, – if this light turns green, the other one recognizes that this one had turned and, and it adjusts
1: yep. times accordingly and wait times. And well, and it's, it's not, we don't have, and we have a few adaptive signal systems in the state. Um, up in Park City, we have one operating. So those would be ones that actually, on their own, adapt to the different traffic patterns. Um, but what we do is we're sending back the real-time information from every signal, and we uh, we call it real-time performance measures. So we know the amount of vehicles getting through on the green phase, on the red phase, and our traffic engineers are able to see that and make adjustments. Instead of, in the you know just five years ago, the way we did this is we pretty much received a phone call or a letter saying I can never get through this light, or it takes me three or four phases to get through this light, and then we'd say oh we'll send out some folks and we'll retime that corridor. Now we don't have to do that. We are so much more responsive. So we have infrastructure in place that's going to allow this future connected autonomous vehicle to be able to be developed, tested, and deployed in the state of Utah in a way that I think is much more advanced than any other state. Now, other states have others other advantages. Some of them have uh, university systems that are particularly focused on this. Uh, Silicon Valley in California has you know, the tech centers. Michigan has the, car, the OEMs, the um, car manufacturers. Um, but Utah has a unique niche to play in this. We have a very good regulatory environment. Um, we think we have the most progressive DOT in the country. And uh, just yesterday I met with the lieutenant governor, and he was absolutely clear. And then he wants Utah to be a leader in this area. And so we were brainstorming on how we could help facilitate that and targeting different companies that we're going to be approaching to help them understand why Utah is the place to be.
0: Great. it's good. We've got some amazing
1: engineers that are working on this as well. Unbelievable. Recognized around the country and even around parts of the world for the work they're doing.
0: It's good stuff. Great stuff. All right, number eight on the top 10 list is related to CAV technology.
1: Number eight. We will be the first DOT in the country to have real-time full situational awareness of our transportation system we're going to know what's going on everywhere at all times
0: first of all explain cav technology for those of us who don't know
1: well the way I, the way i talk well cav is connected autonomous vehicle so a lot of people talk about kind of that exciting piece of this car driving around by itself but we believe the real benefits of the future are going to be a connected and autonomous vehicle. So those vehicles that are talking to other vehicles, those vehicles that are talking to our traffic signals, our vehicles that are talking to our bridges. So a bridge deck starts to freeze. It's communicating that directly to the automobiles. This entire world of everything talking together, some might think of the Internet of Things. It's really the same type of concept here. Um, But really, this was uh, number eight was around um, this full-time situational awareness. And it's the idea that in order to help decrease travel times, we're going to have to um, understand what's happening on our roadways in f- real time. So, it's, if, if somebody crashes into a guardrail, we need to know about we it. We will know about it right away. You know, that car will tell us, or maybe that guardrail is instrumented and it's going to tell us. Um, if the travel speeds on I 15 are typically 48 miles an hour at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and all of a sudden they're 43 miles an hour, something's happening something's yeah. different yeah and what is that is it a weather situation is it a crash is there an event taking place this whole idea of having this full-time awareness of what's going on in the transportation system uh, almost like having air traffic controller knowing where every plane is and what the condition is how much fuels in all the planes that's the way we're going to be operating our transportation system we're currently just uh, made a purchase of uh, we um have uh travel information so we're collecting information in real time on the speeds on all of the state highways and we showed some of that information to the transportation commission last friday and it just blew them away because what we're going to be able to do is make better decisions have better outcomes for the public's investment this this is kind of the transition that all dots are going to from that idea of we plan we design we construct and then we maintain but the idea that we're an organization that operates a traffic system, and how are we going to integrate that all together with our transit systems and our bike and ped systems?
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I was I was thinking about these connected vehicles, and, and we've talked about it from the maintenance side on things as simple as in this stretch of road, cars are reporting back that their tires are slipping exactly, uh, and it immediately notifies our maintenance crew that we need either a plow out there or we need salt on the road. Um, even from a safety perspective, of from car to car, if a car is communicating with the cars behind it that there's an immediate slowdown, we can rely on the technology to help us slow those vehicles down rather than yeah. than somebody who's, heaven forbid, looking at their
1: phone or you know not paying attention to what's happening in front of them. I mean, our ports of entry now have technology to look at the tire pressure in semi-trucks as they're going by. Yeah. To determine if there's one that's getting too low and when they get too low they get too hot and they can blow cause a crash i mean it's amazing the things that are happening right now that's great very cool
0: stuff very cool so number seven here uh, this is very specific here i
1: expect that on july 24th 2021 the first connected autonomous vehicle will travel from salt lake city to saint george in fully autonomous mode without any driver
0: override. You envision the first driverless CAV trip from Salt Lake City down to St. George, the bottom of the state on July 24th, 2021. So less than four years from now, we're at three and a half years. Very specific date, why, why July 24th, 2021?
1: This is kind of a fun one. And I was giggling to myself when I wrote this down. Um, on the plane. Is- this, yes. <laughs> this is probably one of the easiest of the top ten. And, in fact, I would not be surprised if this has happened already. But what I wanted to be able to do is to raise the awareness of how fast this is coming at us. It's changing tremendously fast. Um, I've got a couple pictures that I, uh, I borrowed from the, um, the commissioner of Tennessee DOT, John Shore. And John's trying to demonstrate this as well. And um, one picture shows uh, Fifth Avenue in New York City on Easter morning, and it shows um, a lot of people out there, but it was all horses and buggies with one gas automobile, hmm. and it was completely packed with horses and buggies. Same same location, same picture, nineteen thirteen. One horse. All the rest were automobiles. That, f- that change happens so fast. And that's, that's kind of the message we're trying to get across here. Um, you know, I've heard that, you know, if you think about cars that you have to drive going the same way as the horse, where in the future cars will be for racing and for showing. Hmm. And, um, you know, hey, check out my Mustang 64 Mustang here. Yeah. Let's go for a ride. A yeah, this is the way we used thing. to do it. This is a fun thing. But that's kind of where the, the, you know, the human driving the automobile is going to be going. It's going to happen pretty quick. Uh, you know, as soon as I did this, I got an email that night from the mayor of a small town up in Cache Valley. who He's an engineer, and he comes to our conferences all the time, and uh, I've known him for years. And he says, why are they starting in Salt Lake City? They should be starting up at the northern part of the state cash. in cash. <laughs> I said, Mayor, okay, we can make that happen. You can probably add that 60, um, 80
0: miles on there.
1: So I'm convinced that this is the easiest one to happen and may, in fact, have already happened. There's cars on the street road right now that are basically SAE, uh, Society of automotive, automotive Engineers, level two, that can lane keep and can do with the adaptive cu- cruise control. Um, but there's going to... Um, there's, those cars are going to have to have human intervention. But in the next two to three years, we're going to see level three and level four cars coming out that will have the capability to com- make that complete drive without any human override. So this, to me, it sounds like a
0: technology thing. It's it's the engineers developing the technology to do this. What can we do as a department to make sure that this is a reality?
1: Yeah, it's the... Um, it's technology, but it's also public policy, um, and it's also infrastructure. So I'll talk public policy first. You know, we have to have the right policy in place, the right laws in place for to allow this technology to progress. You know, we're always concerned about, rightly so, the public safety, and who's responsible if somebody gets hurt, and so, we could find ourselves in a position of over-regulating this new evolution of technology to the point where it can't happen fast enough and we won't see the benefits of saving lives. Or we could maybe say we're not gonna do any regulation and it's the Wild West and we have people getting hurt. So we have to find that sweet spot of how we can be responsible in our roles as public servants as well as um, allow the technology to evolve and grow. And all of us states are talking about this on how to make it happen Um, A couple of us are forming a a coalition. We call it Safety Sooner. Hmm. Uh, Michigan and Utah are kind of leading the way on this. And our point is that the faster we can push forward this connected autonomous vehicle technology, the more lives we're going to save. And we think we can save thousands of lives a year by pushing this technology forward. Um, On the infrastructure side, we've got car manufacturers that say, all we need is for you to paint the lines and keep them well painted because the cars are using sensors to look at those lines. I'm convinced, as I talked about in our 2016 presentation at the annual conference, part of this is going to be data, data that we maintain, data that we develop through our design process and um, enhance through the construction process, and then serving up that three-dimensional data of our traffic lanes, of all the roadway features. So a car driving um, on I-15 down the road not only is it going to be able to see the lines or see the signs, it's going to have the mapping that is going to say this sign is at this location, this, um, the stripes are at this XYZ location. And so there's going to have to be all these redundancies built in. so as infrastructure providers, we're going to see our position change um, in a large part from not only developing and providing hard stuff, the infrastructure, the roads, pavements, bridges, but also data. And that's going to play a big part in our future. Great. All right. Number six, moving on. We're going to be the first DOT in the country to go completely paperless.
0: Uh, What do you mean when you say that UDOT will become the first DOT in the country to go completely paperless? Matt, you're looking at a piece of paper right now. I've printed printed some of these questions out on four. I've double printed it.
1: How do, how do we go paperless? Yeah, what does that, that mean? That's you know we're, we're working in this right now. We we're, we're call it e-construction. You've heard that term before, uh, or e-design. So we're working on what we call 3D design. And so we're creating three-dimensional models in the design process and working to make that three-dimensional model developed and designed, the actual contract document that we advertise to the contractors, and then them using that three-dimensional model to build the project and then provide back what we used to call as-constructed drawings, as-built, in a three-dimensional model, which would then provide that information to these connected autonomous vehicles of the future. Um, So the idea is to try to push that um, process forward, to push us to being more efficient and effective and move away from paper and move to the point where we have really data has one source of truth, and we're not all recreating data. It's coming. It's in one location, and anytime anyone changes it, everyone sees that change. It's in the yeah. It's, it's in the same location. It's in the same location. The same document. Yep. Same program. You know, I don't have to go to you and ask for a piece of information um, that would be different from what somebody else might have.
0: Great. Well, and you see, as, as data gets transferred from paper to the computer, then back to paper, we we lose stuff. We lose stuff, and do you know, you're wondering if you have the latest version. Yeah. So it's all in the same place the designers, the builders, the the contractors everybody has access to that same plan
1: again it's it's consistent with what we just talked about is you know data being an asset that we manage actively and uh, this kind of data flow through all of our processes is what we're talking about by making being paperless you know it's You get out on a construction site and see people walking around with uh, iPads or tablets as opposed to a big roll of stack of papers. Yeah, big roll of blue paper. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, uh, let's go to the next one, number
1: five. By 2021, with hard work and some ingenuity, our pavements and bridges will be the envy of the country.
0: So you said that number five was a little unfair because our roads and our bridges are already top of the nation everybody envies and mm-hmm. what's happening here in our infrastructure um, what can we do more if we're already you know the envy of everybody else how do we improve
1: well i think um what this is recognizing is that this is we're in a constant race to try to keep up on our infrastructure we're the beneficiaries of having relatively new infrastructure compared to some of our dots from around the country um, but we uh, and but our infrastructure is getting older and we're seeing an increased traffic load on our infrastructure. So we are gonna see additional pressure to try to keep these pavements and bridges in that top-notch shape. Um, I think, you know, when you look at our bridges right now, um, I don't think there's another DOT in the country that can say they have bridges in our condition, and that's a testament to those that come before us and all the men and women that work so hard, whether it be in design or construction or maintenance, to keep those uh, structures in that great shape. So I'm excited about pushing this forward. We have a $35 billion asset value in our pavements and bridges. When we talk about taking care of what we have, billions. And so this is really a core function for us. And I wanted to make sure we didn't get all excited about the silver penny autonomous vehicle and forget really a core function for us is taking care of what we have.
0: Great. Uh,
1: Transparency. We're going to talk about
0: transparency
1: in our next one. Number four, because of our culture of trust, it's going to lead to a whole new level of openness within the department and for the citizens.
0: It's already one of our department-wide emphasis areas. Mm -hmm. It's been on that card. Everybody's seen the card. It's on the backside there. Transparency is huge for us. What needs to happen for us to reach this new level of openness that you described at number four there? Yeah.
1: This is something that we need to keep in mind all the time is there's no secrets in government. Um, anytime you find yourself doing something where you're like, "Boy, I hope nobody finds out about this or I'm going to try to keep this quiet, then I would submit that you might not be doing the right thing. And the longer I've been in government, the more convinced I am that when you, when you make a mistake, Be the one to say you made a mistake. Be the one to say, you know what, we were trying this, it didn't work, this is what we learned, this is why it's not gonna happen again. And what's doubly important then is we're not destined to make the same mistake in another location of the department. We're gonna learn. all learn from that. And so this idea of being open and transparent builds upon what I think is the most important currency we have as an organization, and that's trust. We talk about trust between us, inside of the department, between our employees, um, but I'm telling you, trust between our elected officials, trust between the public, that what we're doing is the right thing, is the most. It's it's so important. Um, I can't tell you time and time again, um, when things are difficult or we have something that's being discussed, and if the legislature, the governor's office is dealing with an organization or an individual that they trust. You get, to, you get to the point very, very quickly. But if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what you say. And it takes a long time to build trust, and you can lose it so quickly. And the thing that you can cause it to lose, as soon as you try to hide something, what do you think? If somebody's hiding something from you, you think, oh, I don't trust them. Yeah, something's going What's on. What's going on yeah. under behind that curtain there, Mr. Wizard?
0: Yeah. You always, this, this always sticks to me. You, you say trust is the currency that we have with our public. Absolutely. And, and with our elected officials. And, and that comes from transparency. It comes from owning up to the mistakes that we make. Uh, and it comes up to uh, being able to learn from those and, and to move forward. And um, as a parent, I look at that with my kids, right? If, if the mistake is made and they own up to it quickly, the trust doesn't go anywhere. The trust is still there, but like you said, as soon as we start to, to, to hide yeah. it, um, man, it goes away. And it's really hard to get back. Yep. It's really, really hard to get back. Yep. So this is really big for us. Um, number three, uh, this is kind of cool. As a member of the communication team, um, this one makes me a little
1: bit, I, I gasp at it a little bit, I guess you could say. We're gonna move our public approval ratings from
0: 76% to 90%. Pushing our public approval ratings to 90% is gonna be hard. I think in our most recent um, public survey that we did, we were at 76%, is that right? Yes. So, 90 seems like a stretch. Where, where does that
1: come from? Well, first of all, I think I've succeeded, Matt, if you, you use the word hard, not impossible. Okay. Um, I think some, when I first asked for this, said it was impossible. I think uh, Joe Walker, our communications director, said that, you know, 90% of the people won't tell me the sky's blue on a nice day. Um, but we're going to do it. We're going to set this as our goal. It's, it's important because this feeds into the last discussion we had on trust. Of course. You know, if the public accepts and appreciates what we do, we're going to get the tools we need to do our jobs. And so we're going to get there by being open and transparent. We're going to get there by doing some of the things we've talked about here previously, and continuing to do all the great things that we do today. Um, This is this makes a little people nervous. I mentioned that you know I, I think Governor Huntsman was the only one to have an approval rating this high, uh, in the state of Utah. But if anyone else is the one right people to do it, it's us. We well, can do this.
0: Well, and this is the one that's been, that I hear the buzz about, this 90%. And we use that a lot in our communications group is, okay, if, if we want to get to 90%, that has become our benchmark. And I know in, in different areas, the TOC is one of those uh, where they talk about 90%. How do we do, if we can do this, we'll eventually get to 90%. So. so I'll
1: check back with you, Matt, next year and see how you've done. I'll see, see where we're at. Hopefully we're a lot closer to that 90%. Well, don't, don't underestimate where we are today. Seventy-six percent is remarkable. Oh, it's amazing for a Department of Transportation because the men and women are on stage every single day. Yeah, it's not like what we do isn't noticed. It's noticed all the time. So it's remarkable where we are.
0: Yeah, it, and it really is. Seventy-six means three out of four people agree wholeheartedly with what we're doing and, and they approve of what we're doing. So yep. we'll get to ninety. We yes can do sir, it. We, will. we can do it. All right, Number two has to do with the training and education of our U dot employees.
1: Every UDOT employee and our partners will have the best training and education available within the next three to four years.
0: This has become a big deal over the last couple of years. Um, why is it so important uh, to your overall vision of UDOT during the next few years?
1: Because at the end of the day, it's people. The most important thing in all of our lives are people, whether you know our families, our friends, our neighbors, the people we work with. And we expect a lot of the UDOT employee. We ask a lot. Look at the last things we've been talking about. Um, But it's our responsibility as an organization to make sure that every employee has the training and learning that they need to do exceptional things and to do things we can't even imagine today. I know that this Department of Transportation will continue to be great if the men and women of this department have the best training in the world. And so I've set that as a benchmark for them. I want everyone to have the best available, and they're gonna be the best employees, and they're gonna be the most innovative, and it's gonna be just holding on to the shirt tails because this mm-hmm. place is gonna be moving so fast. It's awesome, it's a good vision, it's a great vision. Well, look where we're sitting. Yeah. This investment in the UDOT Learning Center was all about
0: our employees. Well, and, and we've talked about this. You and I have talked about this over the last couple of weeks. This, this space is used all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great training facility.
1: Our new employees are here. We've got leadership training here. Um, and it's a gathering place. Yeah. It's a gathering place. We want a place where employees can come together, even if it's not for a training session. It's a place where they can come together and get to know each other better and dream up that next great big step here. Maybe we'll come up with 11
0: would be awesome. Well, and as you come here, next time you're at the complex, if you haven't been here yet, uh, you'll see this. There's a big, big wall that shows our, our commitment to learning. It's called the UDOT Learning Center. And we, we just need to get some pictures up on the wall. We need to get some pictures. They'll come. They'll come. <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> uh, finally, number one. We will be the
1: safest state and the safest DOT in the country. Now, we're not backing away from zero fatalities. But I'm here to tell you, the last couple of years, we've seen an increasing trend of fatalities on our roadways. By 2016, we saw the fatalities rise to 281. And so today, I'm calling for that by 2021, we drive those fatality numbers down to below 200.
0: UDOT will be the safest DOT in the country, with fewer than 200 fatalities on our roads. and complete safety in our workplace. We we talk about that a lot here. Um, the 200 fatalities is a lofty goal, and I I know everybody in our group. I, in fact, everybody out there agrees uh, it's it's a worthy goal. Uh, our goal is zero. Uh, 200's a a stretch here. That's going to be hard. Um, how do we do it?
1: Is it realistic? Yeah. Yes, it's realistic, and I recognize the you know the difficulty of this because. We say 94% of all crashes are human error, and so it'd be very easy for us to not take responsibility for 94% of the crashes, and say if only those dang drivers would pay attention, um, and follow the rules of the law of the law of the road, then we'd be okay. But that's not the way we are. We're taking responsibility to drive those fatalities down, and you know we got down to 217 in 2012. And that drop was remarkable, because in 2002, we were at 329. A remarkable drop. It's nuts. It was remarkable. But since then, we've seen it climb, where last year we were at 281 lives lives lost on our roadways. And I continue to ask, where's the outrage in this? And so this is an all-hands-on-deck effort to drive it down under 200. Now, it's been a long time since we were under 200 in this state, 1958. Wow. Wow! Now... Almost 60 years. 60 years. It's 2018. 60 years. Don't remind me of that. <laughs> some have asked how I came up with that number. Well, it's a nice round number to get down to under 200. Um, part of this was, you know, just trying to make some cute little ties. So in 1958, we had 193 fatalities. That was the year I was born. Wow. So... That had a little bit of, little bit of I'll say, be madness beautiful. behind the logic or logic behind the madness to setting that number. But I wanted something that was really hard, but I felt was achievable and a focus point for us.
0: And that's what I like about this, this entire list. Uh, it's hard. I, none of these are, are, are cakewalks, um, but they're achievable. And I look at the things that, that my group has responsibility in or parts in, and it's a stretch. Um, but we're up for it. So my, my final question is: As all of our employees hear this, as all of our employees go over this top ten list, uh, how do you want them to respond? What do you what, what do you want them to talk about? What? How do you hope they respond? I guess Whoa. is a better question. How do you hope they respond to this?
1: I hope the I hope it's a positive response. I hope it's exciting. I hope there's a lot of there's a lot of really smart, dedicated, passionate people out there. And I have no—I know that I'm not the person to figure out how to get there on any of these, but the men and women of UDOT can figure out how to get there. And so I want their participation. I want folks that may think they have, well, I'm not really involved in that area. But if you have an idea, get that idea to us. Get it to anyone you can think of. But it, this, this is all hands on deck to be able to figure out how to get there on these things. It's going to be so exciting. Just the effort of trying is going to make this place a much more exciting place. And I know it's a place that, you know, today I'm so proud of UDOT. And I want everyone to feel that way.
0: Well, and I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know
1: I, I was proud to
0: be part of that. Uh, I felt that when you said that at an annual conference. Uh, it was heartfelt and it was, it was sincere. And, and
1: um... remember, Matt. We're the best damn D.O.T. in the country.
0: We are the best damn D.O.T.
1: We're just going to leave it that way,
0: right there. <laughs> Mic drop, right? Uh, what a way to end. We really are the best damn D.O.T. in the country. Uh, I want to thank Carlos, our amazing executive director for, for spending this time with us. Uh, great honor to have, to have you um, as a visionary for what we need to be doing as the department. And, and how we can better serve our public.
1: We can do this because we're the best damn DOT in the country. Have a great New Year, Utah. Thanks, Carlos. That's it.
0: Well said. Hey, so listen, if you have any additional comments, uh, suggestions for future episodes, uh, just want to give us feedback, we'd love to hear it. Go ahead and email us at beyondthebarrels at utah.gov. And uh, remember, Barrels only has one L two r's and one l beyond the barrels at utah.gov thanks see you next time